Hello, how you doing? This is Dr. D coming to you live with the Boom Factor, which stands for Believers Overcome with Unlimited Manifestation. I'm so excited you stopped by. You are literally tuned in to my live audio diary of my life with mental and spiritual support to help you sustain your life from the inside out. I represent independent artists, entrepreneurs, self-published authors, ministers, missionaries. Whatever issues that you deal with that you may think that nobody have dealt with, just tune in. Dr. D probably have touched on it and went through it. So come on, share my link, and I appreciate you taking time out to download the free app. And if you have something else you want to discuss, just leave me a message. Until then, be blessed. Good morning, you guys. This is Dr. D with the Boom Factor. And yes, we see our... United States of America is really in a boom situation. First of all, protests still going on and killing is still going on. So please, somebody tell me what's going on. Next, the coronavirus. You have the men that's in the White House Stating that, oh, we're in a second wave. It's almost over. It's the media now projecting fear on the coronavirus. Well, not so much the fear anymore. It's the hospital reportings now that the cases are increasing. And corona is still out here. And the most important thing that nobody is not even touching on is like, where's the vaccine? They have no vaccine for it. At least for the flu. If you get a hot chew and going through those signs in your body and you go to the doctor and they prescribe some medicine or even suggest to give you a flu shot before the flu season, Oh, but Corona? Oh, no. COVID-19? Nah. We got nothing for that right now. Oh, but guess what? It's all right, America. Go ahead. Reopen. Go out. The little money or no money that you don't have, spend it. Because our president needs to get reelected. He said the economy is booming. Well, as I tweeted, I re. He tweeted something yesterday, and I tweeted right back to him. I said, well, I want to know what reports you watching. Because in my community, the economy is not. People still unemployed. People being evicted. People losing their homes. Homelessness is coming about in the community where I dwell in and travel through and oh yes the economy is moving on the stock market y'all better probably get in there and buy some stocks because guess what those stocks surely is going up every day that's what he's looking at why because 
he not using the money that's here, the money that he's getting is going overseas to Switzerland or China. Oh, and that's a whole nother subject, you guys. <laughs> Wait till I, I, I share some stuff about what's going on in China. Yeah, China might have started this Corona 19, but guess what? China is making mega bucks. And the top wealthy U.S. political individuals, they, they are making a profit. So check this out. So I'm trying to understand. People like to be lied to. That's what I see. We'd rather dwell underneath an administration that lied to you in your face, steal money right in front of your face. Like the young lady said, looting, baby, when they released that Karis Act and now right now they're debating about the HEROES Act. Well, if the HEROES Act was created for the citizens that was out here on the front line, Release that, pass that bill, and get these people their money. Oh, no, they got to debate. They got to see about this, and let's add this in it, and let's add that in it. They're not thinking about the citizens of the United States of America. And sorry to say, they sure not thinking about no black citizen. But overall, come on, y'all. You have to get on that phone and on that internet to your representative, to your councilman, to your state um, advisor, to your mayor, and let them know we are paying you and this is what we want. We are tired of living in the state that we're in after we then voted you in office and this is what you throw back at us. It's time for the people to take the power back from the political the politicians. The voting is there to keep things in order, but only they the voting they want you to put them in so they can make their money. not as the vice president suggests, some media conspiracy designed to sow fear. Let's get straight to CNN's Jeremy Diamond at the White House Force. Uh, Jeremy, a coronavirus task force meeting, uh, but we do not expect to hear from the task force members in public, I assume, because the president and the vice president have decided it's best that they take control of the message. 
Uh, that's right, John. And what we have increasingly seen from this White House is a focus really on reopening the economy for these last uh, several weeks. And even more recently, as we are seeing some of these uh, concerning spikes, 21 states around the country seeing increases in coronavirus cases. And what we're hearing from the White House beyond that focus on reopening the economy is also this misleading message, both trying to say that the testing is the cause of those increases in many of these states, which is not true in particular in some of those states where you have actually seen testing either stay the same or decrease. You have still seen increases in coronavirus uh, cases. And what you're also hearing is this message from the vice president, which is uh, arguing that we in the media who are talking about these increases are fear mongering and being alarmist. The vice president writing uh, the media has taken to sounding the alarm bells over a second wave of coronavirus infections. Such panic is overblown. Uh, but what we have also heard from John is from Dr. Anthony Fauci, the government's uh, top uh, infectious disease expert. And what he is saying is that we are very much still in that first wave. And that's not cause for celebration. It's cause for concern. Uh, the Dr. Anthony Fauci writing, people keep talking about a second wave. We are still in a first wave. Uh, so, John, this administration is certainly trying to navigate uh, what we are seeing and hearing with our own eyes and ears, which is these concerning increases in several states around the country, with at least three states reporting record increases in, in cases uh, over the last day or so, uh, versus also what this administration wants to focus on, which is reopening the country, returning to that sense of normalcy, and driving all of that, John, we have been told by numerous sources, is the president's concerns about his reelection. He believes, and his political advisors have told him, that a recovering economy, a reopening economy, is his surest ticket to reelection, and that's where the president's focus is. John. Jeremy Diamond at the White House, I would just note that it is facts, not fear-mongering, even if you support the reopening. You want the facts as you go through it. Jeremy, appreciate the reporting there. As Jeremy notes, all 50 states are now state-by-state -state experiments of reopening. Florida, among those to turn its economy back on early. Its Republican governor says his state will not shut down again. The cases there, though, are on the uptick. State reporting 2,600 new confirmed cases just this morning. Here with me to share his expertise and his insights, Dr. Michael Mina from the Harvard School of Public Health. Uh, Dr. Mina, it's good to see you again. Uh, the vice president says we should be having a celebration that we have tamed the coronavirus, and not that all is well, uh, but that all is better. Uh, when you look at the map and you look at states trending up, and we all knew, this is not fear-mongering, we all knew this was inevitable. You reopen the economy, the case counts are going to go up. The question is, is it manageable? Does it turn into spikes? What is the hospitalization infection rate? Um, are, are we at a moment of celebration? I, I think we're far from a moment of celebration overall. We have seen encouraging results from states that have really worked hard to keep the rates down and have uh, continued social distancing and have been opening back up more slowly. Uh, we've seen cases actually continue to, to drop in those states. But then there's uh, a large number of states in the U.S. where cases are unfortunately continuing to uh, increase. Uh, even after some of them were decreasing, they opened back up and we have seen increases. So those are concerning. Uh, and we have to, I, I think, any state that is celebrating is probably, you know, it, really we should be um, concerned about these and planning to uh, have contingency plans in place in the event that these cases become out of control. And, and that is something that is a, a real possibility uh, with a virus like this.
and help help people. We've been at this a few months now, but there are medical terms that then get used in lay conversations, and I think sometimes things get confused. You hear the vice president saying that you know people in my business are trying to fearmonger about a possible second wave. I, I'm certainly not trying to do any such thing. Uh, I trust when Dr. Fauci says we're still in the first wave. Uh, so why don't we worry about the here and now? Uh, define what that means from a medical perspective. That says if we are still in the first wave, uh, how long does it last? And let's leave whether there's a second one for later. Yeah, so it depends a little bit on what scale you're looking. And certainly Dr. Fauci is looking at the nation. And uh, what we see is that there was, a, a, of course, on a daily basis for at the beginning of this uh, the epidemic in the U.S., cases increased and increased exponentially uh, and have since plateaued off. But that means we have never gotten off of this first wave of the epidemic. We uh, essentially stopped the, the epidemic from growing exponentially across the U.S. But it, that shouldn't be satisfying to us. We should be working to get uh, off of the wave, uh, you know, before we can really be celebrating. And, uh, and so until we do that, we really can't see much of a second wave at a national level, though we could see, uh, of course, this first wave really continue to grow, which in some states, uh, that could be a second wave. And so uh, we're very concerned in the fall for that. Very concerned in the fall for that. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, I just so I want to show people what that looks like, and we do United States side by side with Italy. And I want to be very clear: Italy is a smaller country. Italy has more national control. We have 50 states here in the United States, so things are going to be different. So this is not apples to apples. However, the trend line is what you want to look at. You see the new cases in the United States on the left of your screen. There, we're still at 20,000 new cases a day. Italy, again, the numbers are different. It's a smaller country, but it's that trajectory of the red line dropping down. Uh, that, Doctor Mina, is if it comes back in Italy. Uh, they will say this is a second wave because we tamed the first wave. We are still at a plateau when it comes here in the United States in wave one. That's exactly right. And we want to get that curve down as much as possible. But as long as we continue to see increases in many states in the U.S., it's going to be very difficult. And so to get it down, to get it down, please correct me if you think I'm wrong, is you need communication all the time. And again, it's 50 states. It's complicated in the United States. But the president of the United States doesn't like to wear a mask. The vice president doesn't like to wear a mask in public. The president of the United States has a rally planned, uh, 19,000, 20,000 people in the arena this weekend. This is his top infectious disease expert who said yesterday he hadn't spoken to the president or briefed him in two weeks. Uh, here's, I think, why, uh, in the sense the president doesn't want to hear this. Would you personally attend the president's rally? Dr. Fauci told the Daily Beast, no. Uh, I'm in a high-risk category. Personally, I would not. Of course not, he said, adding that when it came to Trump's rallies, outside is better than inside, no crowd is better than crowd, and crowd is better than big crowd. Uh, that is the top infectious disease expert of the United States of America, but it is advice not being accepted by the president of the United States of America. No, and that's, it's, uh, I think it's a, a terrible idea. It sends the wrong message to the United States. It puts people at risk. There is a very, you know, people could die as a result of going to these rallies. And, uh, you know, and that's not an exaggeration. Uh, these are places where super spreading events can happen. Many people could get sick. And it's just, uh, it, it's setting the wrong tone from the highest office in our country. Dr. Michael Mina, as always, appreciate your expertise and insights, sir. Thank you. Absolutely. Saturday, June 27th, come to the Rio Escondido land sale. No, we're not going to no sale. So as you heard, how can you lead by example when you have your top experts 
working with you and advising you to have your rallies outside. And you say, no, I want them inside. And I'm not going to wear a mask. And so his top advisor said, well, you know what? I'm not going. So what type of leadership that is for the world? Because that's why they have people walking around with this attitude. Well, the president, he the president. He ain't wearing no mask. And he don't care. And he don't support this. And, yeah, he showed um, condolences. But he's not really um, on either side. Man, I'm telling you guys, you better wake up and trust in the Lord. Take care of yourself. If you feel that you're at risk or you have to go in the midst of other people, okay, you don't have to wear your mask while you're riding a bike or walking and you by yourself. That is just, that just dumbfounding. I don't mean to call anybody dumb, but please, you have to breathe. And nobody's not around you. So why are you wearing your mask? But if you go into an establishment, wear your mask. Bring your journey inside. Don't wait for them to give you. Have your own. It's like having your own little safety pack on you. Go in. Do what you have to do and get out. You don't have no time to be just lagging around. There's too many people. And you don't know who's sick and who's not. Matter of fact, they call them asymptomatic, meaning you could be a carrier and don't even know that you're sick. But somebody that you come in contact with can receive that virus and they may be at a high risk and you just killed somebody unaware. So to me, this is what I see that they're trying, they're promoting. They're still promoting this silent genocizing. A nation because it don't take a two-year-old to sit down and, and calculate all oh, five grade to say smaller than the eighth grader it don't take an eighth grader to sit down and acknowledge and say well if it's that serious why everybody just want everybody just stay home mama until it's over with duh I really believe if Texas governor wasn't so in competition with his brother in New York. Is it New York or California? New York. If there wasn't so much doggone in competition, Texas should have kept the doors closed until this month was over. Everybody keep their butts still in the house. Okay, don't worry about it. We're we going to cancel everything. Everything going to balance out. We're going to reopen. Unless, since we want to say Texas is bigger and better. Okay, let's show people around the world how Texas do things. And if Texas would have kept themselves shut down and not be bullied by the White House administration and bullied by other governors so it just shows you how people mindsets even in a political realm it's all about money it's greed it's not about your life it's not about your life it's about money why because if it was about your life they would have kept everything closed until everything would have the hospitals would have had zero 
But no, they want us to reopen. Let's stir up the economy again. Well, you should have known that when you shut down the economy, right? Y'all the one that shut it down. Now y'all just going to go, oh, pop the weasel. Okay, we can open it up again. Uh, don't worry about it. Yeah, COVID-19 out there, but you know what? Hey, we need to make some more money, so let them just go out there and spray the germs. Go ahead and let them silently kill themselves, and we won't be responsible. But guess what? The Word of God tells us that his eyes can see and his ears can hear. And guess what? War unto you politicians, because the blood going to be on your hands. That's right. See, people don't look at things spiritually. They think, oh, we can just do this and we can do that. It's all right. You know what? I ain't really had nothing to do with it. You know what? You know, people have their choice. And, you know, if they was that scared or if they feared that they was going to catch the coronavirus, they would have stayed home. Oh, really? Oh, so that's how... You politicians going to analyze that? You don't think that God going to hold you responsible? Going to hold each individual responsible for the life that you cause because of your greed? Because of your ego and narcissistic attitude? Oh, pride coming before fall, politicians. And all the lives that y'all have caused to be taken away from families, unexpected. I, not, I'm not, I haven't even touched on the Black Lives Matters movement and how the police are still killing. In the midst of protests, they are still killing. So what that's telling you, you got to do something different. But, hey, I'm not going to get too excited about that. I'm just, I'm just sharing. I'm just sharing. All right, you guys. So now let's discuss this killing. Okay, so we have a lot of discussions about what happened to Rashad. And my only um, opinion about the whole thing, um, when I finally saw the video, and I guess I didn't see all of it, but from what I'm receiving from um, how the news projecting it, how the police projecting it, you know, everybody's going to try to cover themselves. Okay, and then we're gonna, he was gonna arrest him from from DUI. Okay, arrest him. Uh, the dude took his taser and used it against him, trying to get away. Cause at first, during the discussion, from what I seen, Mr. Rashad asked him. He said, "Well, if you feel that I'm drunk, let me, look. My house is right up the street." Let me let me let me go just walk. I'll leave the car here and just walk. I just was trying to give me something to eat. And you know what, you guys? Maybe this just Dr. D and her empathy, um, compassion, but this is just overall. If a life matter to you, why not just let let him go and walk? 
from what we've seen, how they um, respond to other nationalities. It's, mostly it's only the whites and the blacks again that you always see on the news, even though I know there's many, many other cases, but this one here was really, really appalling is that this happened in the midst of a police brutality protest. I'm like, um, police officers alert. Are you watching the news? Are you paying attention in your briefing in the morning when y'all sit together and your captain talk to you? Do you understand why you are called the police department to protect and to serve, protect and to serve, protect and to serve. What are you protecting? And you show not serving us. Protect and serve. If the guy was drunk or tired, Come on, you had a rough night. Come on, go, go. Let's pull that call over there. Come on, let's pull the call over there. Where you say you live? Come on, let's, we're going to give you a warning. Come on, we'll bring you to, to your house. Get somebody to come get your car tomorrow and just take care of yourself. You see what I'm saying? And in the midst of all this thing, you know what? I think I probably would have ran too. I'm like, ooh, let me get out of here because I get in that police car. They probably kill me. And this is so interesting how these police officers, you guys, they don't even care anymore. It's like, oh, we don't care if you video us. We the police. I just saw something happen in London where there was... um, the students, they was going somewhere, and the white cops just stopped this one particular student, which was a black student, and said, oh, we want to search you. Wait, whoa. Now, I don't know how the laws are in in London, but I know in America, a cop just can't walk up to you and say, oh, let me search you, and start trying to fill all over your, your, your body parts without no probable cause. And the young man in the video kept asking, well, what did I do? What? No, I'm not going to let you search me. And because he said, no, I'm not going to let you search me. The other policeman got kind of rowdy and pushed him and then going to say that he resisted arrest. You pushed him. You can see it on the video, how they agitated. And all of a sudden, this young lady caught everything on, on, on video. So that was excellent on her part. So he going to call for backup for this student. This student. I'm like, Dad. Then they had almost eight policemen around this young boy cornering him. Come on, America. Come on, world. What is going on here? Why is so much agitation as a police officer? How much anger and mental anguish that you're dealing with that you got to get up on the street and still you policing and protecting the community oh y'all bullying the community coming out here like y'all some power rangers and gonna 
going to show your authority. Oh, hey, we the police there. Yeah, we bad. Let me see what we can we we can harass today. Let's let's see what black persons and you know they don't really say black, they say niggas. I'ma just tell tell it like it is. When they behind closed doors, if you have flies and cameras in them homes, I'm I'm sure they calling all of us niggas. Yeah, let's see what how what, what, how many we can kill today. Is that really the conversation if I have any police officers that are listening to my program? Is this with your colleague dialogues? It, it must be something. It must be something. Because it's like in the midst of a protest, we still got black men dying. What is really, really going on? And they don't understand the laws are being changed. You just can't do that anymore. And so they have done it for so long. That's why it's still going on. Because they don't believe that, oh, they're not going to change no laws. They're not going to arrest me and fire me. I'm the police. I'm the boy in blue. I'm true to the code. We good with the good old boys. Hey, hey, they're not going to arrest me and that's why I perceive that it's been going on so long mentally they have this stigma that hey they're gonna be all right I'm gonna let y'all listen to this clip and you're gonna hear where the first when they first write their report oh they say they gave CPR and they did ABCDFG and then when the uh, attorney general get in there, and then when the attorneys get in there and say, look, we want all the camera footage, we want any video that we have, we want to look at all angles. And why they say at once they, he shot, he kicked Rashad. He kicked him and said, yeah, I got it. What the hell? That's a life on that ground. That could be you on that ground. That could be my son, my, my brother, my cousin. That could be somebody I know on that ground. And you just going to kick them and say, oh, I got them. Wow. I listen and I try not to say too much, you guys. I'm trying. I'm striving to 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 empower you. And I will begin the teachings to help our mindset. But the way that things are going on, it's going to get worse, you guys. So are you ready? Are you equipped? Are you prepared? We are literally in a dangerous zone right now. And that's why the Spirit of God tells us to awake, awake to righteousness. Awake to the things that's around you. You are the chosen people, but they're just not going to give it over. You're going to have to take it back by force. Like God promised Joshua. Jericho, that's your city, but you're going to have to go and take it. And what happened? But they had to follow the instructions of the Lord, and they had to come on one accord. That's the only way this going to change for the black community. And we have made some progress, but that's still not all. We have to change the laws. Because once you change the laws, 
And we have to maintain those laws because they can easily write another law on top of that law and make the, the law that we change dormant. So that's my feelings on that. That's my expression on that. And I want you to hear for yourself what happened. And yeah, they finally charged them. Now they're saying that the DA is is moving too fast to place a charge. Oh, wow, really? Well, I think according to the law by any abiding citizen, if anything happened, you have 24, depends on the charge, you have a 24-hour window for you to go before the judge, and guess what? The charge will be filed. Either you be charged guilty or not guilty or dismissed. Hello, you make a decision. You 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 listen to what they're saying. Good evening, everyone. Breaking tonight, charges filed against two white Atlanta police officers of the fatal shooting of a black man after an arrest turned into a struggle over a taser gun. The now-fired officer who shot a fleeing Richard Brooks has been charged with felony murder and several other counts. His partner also charged. A swift turn of events six days after what began as a polite interaction turned deadly. Blaine Alexander has late details. As Rayshard Brooks lay dying in a Wendy's parking lot, prosecutors say the Atlanta police officer who shot him walked over and kicked him. The other officer stood on his shoulders, neither rendering aid for more than two minutes, according to District Attorney Paul Howard. Today, announcing both officers will face charges. We concluded and considered it as uh, one of our important considerations that Mr. Brooks never presented himself as a threat. Former officer Garrett Rolfe, who pulled the trigger, facing 11 charges, including felony murder. Howard says after firing the shots, the officer said this. The utterance made by Officer Rolfe was, I got it. The second officer, Devin Brosnan, charged with aggravated assault and violating his oath. Brooks was fatally shot last Friday at a Wendy's drive through when officers responded, they found him asleep in his car. Mouth over the mouthpiece, but as far as you can, so I'll tell you to stop. Investigators say well, well, after well, well, Brooks three. failed a sobriety test, I, I think you've had too much to drink to be dry. Officers moved to arrest him. Put your hands on your butt. Brooks began to struggle. Stop fighting! You're going to get tased! You're going to get tased! Investigators say he grabbed one of the tasers and ran. In this video, turning around and firing the taser at officers before he shot twice in the back. In a statement released before the DA's press conference, lawyers for Rolf called his actions justified, saying, fearing for his safety and the safety of the civilians around him, Officer Rolf dropped his taser and fired his service weapon at the only portion of Mr. Brooks that presented to him, Mr. Brooks' back. The lawyers say Rolf immediately called for help when Brooks fell to the ground and gave him first aid, adding that when Brooks' pole stopped, Rolf immediately began CPR until EMS arrived. For Brooks' widow, Tamika Miller, today's details are yet another devastating blow. I was very hurt. I didn't imagine being there because I don't know what I would have done if I would have seen that for myself. But I felt everything that he felt just by hearing what he went through. And it hurt. It hurt really bad. 
And both officers have until 6 p.m. tomorrow to turn themselves in. Now tonight, we're also hearing from an attorney for Officer Devin Brosnan, who says that Brosnan also gave first aid to Brooks and is cooperating with the investigation. But contrary to what the prosecutor said, he has not agreed to be a witness for the prosecution. Now, Brosnan's attorney is also slamming the DA for what he calls a rush to misjudgment. Lester? Blaine Alexander tonight, thanks. Another story developing... They rush, they rush to judgment to make the charges. Wow. Very interesting. Very interesting. Oh, Lord, it's early in the morning, y'all. Excuse me. Very interesting. That they rush to make judgment to file the charges. Wow. Wow. Well, it seems like he wasn't rushed to make judgment to fire that gun to kill that young man. Your thoughts? It's made up of, uh, I think, the best the city has to offer. But we also we also have to look inward at times, uh, and, and we're not imperfect. I asked about those clashes between police and protesters, police at times targets, and some officers accused of going too far. Was there a moment over the last couple of weeks that left you feeling embarrassed or left you feeling, oh, my God, they're right? My overwhelming... Uh, feeling over the last two three weeks is proud of the work that uh, law enforcement has done in this city under extremely difficult circumstances i'm talking about bricks fire extinguishers being shot at being stabbed having molotov cocktails thrown i am proud of what they did we made mistakes did i see isolated incidents and take swift action because the actions were wrong absolutely then there are the calls to defund police. Some city officials proposing a billion-dollar cut to the NYPD budget. What's your reaction to that? I went on record a couple weeks ago in saying that I would take money from my budget and push it towards youth programs. That was the easiest decision I've ever made as the police commissioner. I think it's the right thing to do. But when you talk about defunding, I get very concerned when we talk about Lester cutting headcount at a time when we do have, unfortunately, rising crime. He says scrapping the anti-crime unit is just one step. Criminal justice reform advocates agree more is needed. We have to end violence and over-enforcement and overreach, and we have to invest in services that keep our neighborhoods and communities safe. That's a that's the work that has to happen above and beyond what the NYPD is starting to do. Would you have made this change if not for the protests? What I can tell you is, well over a year ago, I was thinking about this. I think it's impossible to answer totally uh, without being in that situation. Maybe not. As marches continue, the commissioner says his officers are providing security, but they are not interfering. In 60 seconds, our exclusive interview with the governor of Virginia over a year after a racist photo scandal. The changes for him and for his state. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it did. You wear a black face. 
man, it's it's crazy, you guys, and and it shows you with the police itself. And I think a lot of individual individuals don't understand what defunding mean. Um, defunding did not mean, and what they are projecting is taking police off the street. Defunding the police department, meaning that all the funds that y'all are getting to maintain y'all department, that really is unnecessary because y'all taking those funds to cover up. Come on now. The injustice that you are putting on the community, especially the black and brown community, the black men in the community. So those funds that are being allocated to protect killers, cops, let's let's cut, let's let's take a slice of that pie and let's put it towards opening up more of the community centers that once was there in the cities. And and, and let's involve the young people back and give them hope in their community. Let's 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 take some of that money and invest in the parks that y'all done closed all the parks from the youth and upgrade them like you upgrade and, and, and make doggy parks. Oh yeah, the doggy parks, man. Have y'all seen doggy parks? Man, I walked to a doggy park and I was like, well, wow. They had water fountains and Little, little grassy place and they have little place where you can see where they can go and lay and roll in the grass and I mean hills, little, little mini little hills for them to run up and down. Oh my gosh. Have you literally went and saw a nice doggy park? That's coming out of city funds that our taxes pay for that to happen. And oh yeah, it got voted in. That's why it got done. Why? Because we didn't never go to the town hall meetings. So yeah, defund the police budget and take away that money that you're protecting the killer cops and the bad cops. That's what the defunded means. Now they're trying to make it seem like, oh, no, we're not going to defund the police because in their mind, they mean taking police off the street. No, that's not what that means. Don't try to twist this on us. Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay, so now we see how to commission looking at things and what we need to do as citizens.
and instead pledged to focus the remainder of his term on addressing racial inequities. As I have met with people around the state and listened to their views on disparities and inequities that still exist today, I've had to confront some painful truths. What were those truths? What I didn't realize and what I have learned um, is, is really that, that black oppression uh, exists here, is alive and well in 2020. What role do you think white people have to play in pursuing racial justice? I think white people need to listen. Uh, and I think they have recognized or are recognizing the pain that exists uh, because of the, the protest. And I think they also realize that the burden of educating of making people aware in this country of our 400 years of history, that burden needs to shift from people of color to people that look like me. The governor rolling out more than 50 new proposals and policies that include reviewing how black history is taught in Virginia, ordering the removal of discriminatory laws and language still on the books, and expanding access to voting. On Tuesday, Northam announced a new push to make Juneteenth a paid state holiday. That followed his call to remove the Capitol's colossal statue of Robert E. Lee. These are symbols of divisiveness in 2020 uh, that we can do better than that. A racial reckoning in the former capital of the Confederacy. Jeff Bennett, NBC News, Richmond, Virginia. We've got more to tell you about tonight. Coming up, a new name and image for a product whose origins recall a racist past. We are witnessing another cultural reckoning as a well-known American brand acknowledges racial stereotyping. We get more on that from Stephanie Gosk. Men, ask for Aunt Jemima buckwheat pancakes. Mmm, aye, they're good. Pancakes and syrup, that's what Aunt Jemima sold for over 130 years until today. Quaker announcing it is scrapping the brand. In a statement saying, we recognize Aunt Jemima's origins are based on a racial stereotype. Yes. The name and smile taken from a minstrel show in the antebellum South. Wow. Aunt Jemima. A character based on a mammy, the stereotype of an always smiling kitchen slave. Aunt Jemima is that kind of stereotype that is premised on this idea of black inferiority. With demonstrations protesting racial inequality, pressure was mounting on Quaker. Baby, you hungry? Then this TikTok from singer Kirby went viral. She called it how to make a non-racist breakfast. Not today. Black lives matter, people. <laughs> Even over breakfast. <laughs> the company, which is owned by PepsiCo, says the announcement is part of an effort to make progress toward racial equality. Now Mars, the makers of Uncle Ben's Rice, says we recognize that now is the right time to evolve the Uncle Ben's brand, which we will do, without specifying how. ConAgra will be reviewing Mrs. Butterworth, while adding the intention of its wow. brand is to evoke a loving grandmother. But it is urgent to expunge our public spaces of a lot of these symbols that, you know, for some people are triggering and, and represent terror yeah. and abuse. Yeah. The pancake and syrup maker acknowledging today that harm can be done even over breakfast. Stephanie wow. Gosk, NBC News. Wow. And we'll be right back. Well, I tell you, huh? It's, 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 whew.
Excuse me, y'all. See, that's why I can't watch this stuff. I can't watch this all day. And you guys, you can't watch this stuff all day. It would do something to you and your spirit and your soul. And not so much your spirit, because your spirit is aligning with God. But God is touched by our very infirmities. He said he is touched. He he sees the tears that come out of our eyes. He feels the pain. Don't you think God feels our pain? Black people. He feels our pain. He sees our struggle. And that's why we have to call upon him. Because he's going to lead and guide us into all truth. But with that said. My soul yearns when I see stuff and hear stuff. And and, and just think about all the times that you, you strive to be your authentic self. And go forward. And you mention certain things. I remember way back in. High school that I think I we had to do a, a a black history project, and it really wasn't a national holiday. I mean month, right? Okay, but we had black teachers in school that did interject a little bit at a time, and I remember that, and that's why it touched me because the teacher. And that's why I love Mr. Jones so much. When we did that project, and I mentioned about the pancakes and Chimami. Who was Aunt Chimama? You see? And Uncle Ben's. That was somebody's slave. Right? They helped. And they made a product, and they put their face on it. And made billions of money off it. And we had to do that project. And the white teacher because I remember doing a research and she was like, that was not no slave. That's that's a, a black owned company and yada yada yada. And my teacher stood for me. And stood for me. And took my paper and said, this is an A paper because you took time out to research to find out who this really was. But come to think of it, in 2020, by them bringing that forward, that white teacher was embarrassed. And because of her embarrassment and her privilege, in her heart she was embarrassed and she knew I was true. And this is a young, I'm this little young black girl going to tell me how to teach and what I supposed to know. I mean, tell me what, what I know more than her. I don't know how she took it, but looking at this now, she knew that some kind of way I knew the truth. And because of her white privilege, 
she thought that her whiteness was going to override my truth. And at that time, I really didn't even know. I just did the research. But it took my teacher, my black teacher, a black man that was in school teaching. And yes, back then they had black men teachers. And I'm telling you, we need the black men back in the schools. If they're going to open up schools again. They taught us. They took time out with us, especially the black children. I got to give them that much. I got to give the teachers. When I was growing up, they took time out with us. Yes, they did. And they pushed us because they already knew what we had to face in the world. See, our mindset, you guys, was already conditioned. Even within ourselves and our community. Because I had encounters throughout my 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 walk of life especially in the christian life men and women always try strive to condition me and and pick me and judge me because they didn't want to accept the truth because of the white stigmatization systematic mind control that has already been out in the atmosphere so we, we have to do this. We got to play their game so we can be accepted. No, I'm accepted by God. Hey, don't tell me about my hair. I love my braids. I'm going to wear my hair. I know how to articulate when I should and when, I, and when I'm with my, my peeps. Hey, we're just going to be down to the streets. You, you're not going to brainwash me or church wash me. And condition me to what you want me to be to you. And see, that's what this whole society is building up on. You know, feeding and feeding and feeding the wrong information. The wrong desires. The images. And not feeding God's image. God created us uh, in his image. But he created us all different. We are different. We the same in him, but we are a different person. He like, he like difference. He enjoy the different personalities. Y'all just don't even understand what goes on in the heavenly realm when Jesus and, and God look down upon us just to see what we're going to do today. How we are going to present him today. How we're going to live our lives to give them a little joy in the heavenly realm. He enjoyed watching us. And, 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 and yes, yes, some we in pain, we weep, we cry, but guess what? God is still looking down on us and he feeling it. He feel our pain. That's why I tell people, be real with God. You know, I mean, if you got a fuss, I mean, hey, God is just like your parent. That's my father. My daddy. And sometimes things don't go right the way I think they should go right. And I go and have a conversation. I'm like, I don't like how this happening, daddy. You supposed to be there to protect me and help me and, and, and supply all my needs according to what your word. And this is not happening. It's going in the reverse. What is what's going on? I am not you no know, 
Well, you know what, Lord? I don't feel like praying today, and I'm not. I don't even want to talk to you today. I thank you for waking me up. But right now, we have some issues we need to deal with. And you say, come together, let us reason together. Okay, so I'm, I'm coming to you, but I don't see where is it, what's, what's, what's changing. What I'm not doing right. And, and, and as a good father, he'll let you talk, and then he'll come and comfort you, and then he'll explain to you A, B, C, D, F, G. And once you settle down, God will talk to you. Whatever relationship you have with the Father above, he will take time out and he will talk to you. He will show you things that you know not. And prepare you to bring you in places you've never been. Oh, come on now. And through that way, through that path of righteousness, come on, Holy Ghost. He will direct your path. And it's so much, it's so much more. It's so much more. It's so much more. And we have to tap in to have access to the more. Gotta tap in. You gotta tap in. And so I just want to share that little bit with you guys. That kind of touched my heart when I saw it. I was like, whoa, they what? They're rebranding the syrup. And guess what? I like the Butterworth syrup. I got some in my I got some in my cabinet right now. I sure do. I got the Mrs. Butter's work. And and guess what? The the and that's interesting. How the bottle is sheathed as it made. Wow. And the ancient mommy pancake mix. And didn't realize that the brand Quaker. And guess what? They got Quaker grits. That's the image is of of, of a master slave. If you want to really look at it like that, it's like, whoa, look what happened here. Oh, my gosh. This is so, wow. Isn't that something? And you never would think about it. Why? Because stuff is so systematically engraved in our memory. And because it's engraved in our memory, we don't think nothing of it. We didn't think nothing of it because we just got accustomed to it. And a lot of times in our life, we get accustomed to things and it's really the wrong thing. It's the wrong thing. It's the wrong thing. And you would never would have thought of being a racist mark. It's, it's like a statement. It's like a statement. And when you really look at it, it's like, whoa, the Quaker grits, 
the brand Quaker in the Butterworks <laughs> is the image. <laughs> oh my gosh. You would have never thought. I'm trying to look on here on the back of it. Okay, you guys. Well, hey, another round with Dr. D. We're going to get through this thing, you guys. So you just, you just got to take back. You got to take back some things. Take your mind back. Take your world back. <laughs> you got to take everything back and get in there and just take your time. Uh, and just be able to, so you can function. Let me put it like that, because I know I'm very emotional. Very emotional. Or you could say compassion. And through my compassion, it gets kind of tricky, okay? So I will share with you all Next episode. You get loud. To support our performance. To voice your opinion. To push us past the finish line. You paint your signs and paint your faces and match your colors. And chant with the crowd. And there, you put us on your back. While we put the city on ours. And there... Our triumphs are yours, because when we win titles, we're all champions, right? And there you ask us to move the chains, apply pressure, go for the jugular. You scream our names, and wear our names, and protect our names, because we're supposed to be family. In there. But what about out here? Are you willing to scream for these names out here? Are you willing to paint and chant and walk past the finish line with us out here? You see, in there, you make noise when the game is on the line. Are you making noise when our lives are on the line? In there, we said, Liberty, justice, my heart was broken. Obviously, Trayvon Martin's situation. We're highlighting a long time. The parents of Tamir and John Crawford. Did the message get lost out here? In there, you tell us to move the chains. But are you helping us break them out here? In there, you tell us to go for the jugular. But are you stopping the system from going for ours out here? You want to protect our legacy in there? Protect our rights out here. You want to be champions in there? Champion our cause out here. If you cheer for us in there, stand with us out here. Awesome. somber day of mourning in Charleston, South Carolina, and a renewed call for change. Here's Gabe Gutierrez. Take it down! Take it down! Take it down! Tonight in Charleston, officials are calling for the removal of a statue dedicated to a slavery advocate. On the same day, the city remembered one of its darkest hours. Our city endured a most grievous loss. It was unthinkable, really. Five years ago today, a self-proclaimed white supremacist went to Bible study at the historic Emanuel AME Church in South Carolina, stayed for nearly an hour, prayed with the group that welcomed him. Then, he opened fire. 
killing the senior pastor and eight of his parishioners. Felicia Sanders was one of five survivors. She forgave the gunman. And I wear a smile. And the reason I wear the smile, because if you look at the pictures of all nine, they all wore a beautiful smile. Amazing. Following the massacre, there were calls for unity. Now, community leaders are calling for action on gun violence, police brutality, and what they see as systemic racism in the wake of George Floyd's death. People want to think that the Reverend Sharon Risher lost her mother and two cousins in Charleston. It's time for this country to just really get a grip on this and understand no matter what you do, we are not going away. We make this country too. On this somber anniversary, a focus not just on the loss, but the legacy of the Emanuel Nine. Gabe Gutierrez, NBC News. And that is NBC Nightly News. I'm Lester Holt. Thank you for watching. Please take care of yourself and each other. And this is Dr. D with the Boom Factor. And I encourage you all to also take care of yourself and your family and each other within your community. But last but not least, acknowledge God in all thy ways and he will direct our path. The only way that we will be able to healthy take care of one another is to call upon him. Because no matter how much we protest, how much we fuss and tear down statues and have memorials, if the change don't come from the heart that will shift the mindset, it's going to be like a merry-go-round. We're going to be going around and around and around and around and around and around and around. This is a pinnacle, pinnacle moment in all of our lives, even mine. I'm fighting. I'm fighting for my life every day. I'm fighting for my mind every day. I'm fighting for my healing every day. I'm standing firm and holding on to God's unchanging hand and his word that will never, never fail. So if I have to do it, you have to do it. And if we all do it with the pureness of God's love in our heart, not saying that you're going to be perfect, because we all going to make mistakes. We all going to say something because we all in a healing process. We are in a healing process. But while we healing, we don't need no killing. While we healing, we don't need judgment. While we are healing, we don't need condemnation. While we are in this healing process, we don't need to be in the blame game. While we are healing, we need to comfort and love each other and support each other, encourage each other, make it your business to do something for somebody every day without looking for nothing in return. And I guarantee you, because I can say it, I expected it another way, but my expectation comes from above. 
but I make sure that I'm sowing love down here in the earthly realm. Sowing my seeds into the heavenly realm. And when push comes to shove, my God going to show up for me. Oh, yes, he will. Because he going to see my need. And when he pulled back the scales and opened up my book, angels, go ahead down there. Go take care of my daughter because look what she been doing. When she didn't have, she still was blessing people. When she was going through, she still was making sure other people came through their despair. Even while she was sick, she still was sowing seeds, meeting people, other people needs. When she had no clout, no monies, she trusted in me. Angels, go down there. I need you to go and do something for my daughter. And that's what the word says, that I wanted his Jews out of Malachi 3, 16 and 17. See, we get stuck at one scripture to bleed people out their money. But let's go and, and let's encourage people about what God will do for you. And how he see you in the in a, in a midst of your despair. See, that's my testimony. I don't know about nobody else, but I know my testimony. God sees me and he supplies his needs. He supplies for me. He does. He supplies for me. And that's the authority that I can stand in. And that's why I can go somewhere and just lay hands softly and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And it's done. All right, you guys. So I I have to... um, Get ready for a project, but I want to um, share my heart in the anniversary of those that had went on and crossed over from the Charleston. Now, see, that's a good, that's a good, right there is a good example on how the society value one race, the white towards the blacks. That's a good example right there because that person, that young man, killed all those people. That was a massacre. Openly, okay, they went and gathered him. They didn't kick him, beat him, tase him, or anything. They apprehended him, comforted him, and even fed him, headed to jail. They treated him with respect. After he didn't murder nine people. In a church house. But you got a young man. That's trying to get him something to eat. Probably got off from work. Yeah. Had a beer. You know. That's what y'all guys do. Grab a beer. I'm going to give me something to eat. And in his mind. He said. Man. I'm going home and give me some sleep. And just so happened. He fell asleep in the car. You know, where's the compassion with all the other people? I know some people say, well, D, I mean, things are dangerous. You just can't be walking up to nobody no more. Well, guess what? 
I believe if the black community stayed like they was back then, how they took care of each other, come on, that that young man probably would still be alive. Only thing somebody had to do was tap on the window like the police did. Say, you all right? You all right? Come on, let's help you out. We don't we don't protect each other no more, especially as the black race. Oh, we quick to wanna wanna um, call us authorities and and, and and show that you done did something. I could literally testify, and my daughter could testify and verify. Just said we was going somewhere. Oh uh, yeah, we was going to work, going into the city before all this COVID stuff. Happened. I don't know if it was last year or maybe in January. No, it was last year. And a, and a young man driving, and you in the man at the red light, the man fell asleep and he was there. The light turned green, the man still sitting there, and we blew the horn to say, hey, the light didn't change, right? So he started driving again. You could tell the man was tired. The man probably didn't work the double shift. I mean, I didn't fell asleep on a bus before. You're just tired. I don't need to die because I'm tired. And once again, we went to the next stop. The man, the man fell asleep again. And I was like, oh my gosh, this, this is dangerous. This, this dude need to just pull over and go to sleep. He keep falling asleep at the light. So what she did, she followed him. Where, whatever how he was driving, we stayed behind him. Okay. And then eventually, I think he turned off and he put it on the side or whatever. But I know right then and there, we show compassion on that driver. So why we can't show compassion upon one another when we see something that's not as off? Hello? So see, this is when the change, you start seeing the change in people's hearts. Because they'll start caring about people now. Everything is about self. That's how society have, have portrayed this image now. It's about me, self. Yeah, you take care of yourself. But when you're out in the open, you're supposed to have your eyes open for protection. And just, and just I mean, come on. I mean, I sit there while I'm doing my taxes and individuals come and I go, I'm saying, excuse me, do you want me to watch your child? And, and I saw something very disturbing this year. It was like the fathers was taking the daughters into the men's bathroom. Wait, wait, brother. Wait, 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 wait. Hey, hey, you got to take her to the bathroom? Oh, no, I'm going to the bathroom. No, leave your daughter right here and you go here. Why would you expose your daughter to other men's penises? Come on now, or even to yours. That's how I look at it. That's just disgusting. So I'm like, okay, can you? And then one guy, he he just got all all right. Cause like I say, sir, I know you're not bringing that little girl in the bathroom. Well, I gotta go to the bathroom. I said, we're leaving. Oh no, that's all right. I'm not leaving her with you. You know. And he walked off and he left out the store. Well, duh. Okay, whatever. But I wasn't gonna allow you to bring that little girl in the bathroom. They got a girl, uh, a women's bathroom right here. They got some, uh, somebody will let her use the bathroom. I will take her to the bathroom to, to avoid her going to a men's bathroom. Come on now. 
And I saw that over and over and over the little short time that I was at work at Wally World during this tax season. So, so do we have um, enough compassion to look out for each other, even in an instance like that? Now, they had some that used to just come put their children in a seat and say, oh, I'll be right back. I'm like, well, whoa, whoa, where you going? Don't take your children. This ain't no daycare. This is a tax kiosk. <laughs> you know, I had that happen too. But in those instances, it's like they'll leave their children and they go and walk through the store. No, take your children. That's why they got baskets. But I'm saying in an odd situation, just be, you know, just, just be watchful. Now, don't be like Karen and call the police on everything that you see. Because as you see, you call the police, that means that's death to somebody. Somebody going to die when you call the police. I'm to the point, I don't even want to deal with the police. Until they get their act together. Because all of them are emotional. They need to go through some type of therapy or something. Because I thought the police supposed to protect and to serve. Ain't no protection and serve when I call. Because in my lifetime, when I really look at it, ain't no p- police will protect and serve me. Not through all that domestic abuse. That's a whole nother rant. I ain't going to go there. <laughs> all right, you guys, let me get off this feed. <laughs> I just pray that you guys had a, 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 a decent day. Okay. And um, let's just ask God, what part do I need to play in the midst of all this that's going on in the world? You already was doing something before all this happened. Don't lose focus. But now you're going to up your aim and, and whatever gift and talent that you have already been active in. Just ask God, you know, in the midst of all this here, how can you advance and add more of your culture and what you're doing? Now, don't make the culture thing your God. Because, yeah, black lives matter, but overall, God matters. (laughs) Okay? And black folks, I'm going to have to just call you out. That's listening to my program. You're going to have to repent because some of you have drifted off and replaced God with material things. Things became idols to you and more important than God. So even with that, remember the Israelites, they had to repent. God was taking them to the promised land, but they could not go into the promised land, the promised land with the same mindset and the same heartbeat. You have to change your heartbeat. And it must beat for Yahshua. Because only through him that that heart gonna beat properly. That's going to affect your mind. And then you could be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the word of God. And all of this play, all of this play an important point in a change in this society. And we know we're still going to have evil and we're still going to have good. So now you're going to have to determine What's good in I and God's eyesight and not man's eyesight. This is the this is the calling out. Will 
the real women and men of God stand up. And that's how I'm going to end this episode. Will you be the one that will stand for righteousness in the midst of all this? Call a spade a spade. Call a club a club. But overall, Jehovah is uno. He's not dos. He's number one. Overall. And until this nation really, really repent. We can pray for America and pray for the nation. But until them politicians repent, not just no fake solidarity for 8 minutes and 46 seconds you on your knee. But when you come off your knee, come on now. Are you really humbling yourself on your knee? And asking God in the spirit, what must I do now as a senator? And I and don't worry about the 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 repercussions, but I have the power to do something in my lane. So what can I do? See, we all have a responsibility to play your part where you are. Not to jump out and try to do something that somebody else is called to do. Stay in your lane. And just ask daddy, what part that I need to play in this game of life right now? With all this that's going on, what do you want me to do? That's all you have to ask. And he'll show it to you. Will you be the one? All right? All right, let me go. God bless.